And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. It is Monday after the master. So much to talk about here on today's episode. We've got a great week, folks, here on the podcast coming up. If you haven't subscribed, you're going to be missing out this week because today, Justin Leonard with Golf Channel joins us, the 12-time winner on the PGA Tour, someone that knows Scotty Scheffler very, very well. He, too, went to the University of Texas. And Leonard and Scheffler, uh, they share the same coach, Randy Smith. So there's a lot to uh, to talk about and put some perspective on with what we're watching right now with Scotty Scheffler, who is just on an all-time heater, four wins, folks, in his last six starts. And now he adds a green jacket. Pretty incredible stuff from... The former Texas Longhorn, as he is on top of the golfing world right now. On Wednesday, we have Morgan Hoffman joining us. Morgan uh, is making his return to the PGA Tour. If you didn't read that article with Golf Digest, my friend Daniel Rappaport, a friend of the podcast, he's on many time on Monday, uh, you need to go read that. And then you need to watch the podcast on Wednesday as he joins us live for uh, an interview before he tees it up at the RBC Heritage, which I'll be actually heading up there after the podcast today, doing some more stuff for the show called The Cut, which airs on Golf Channel on Tuesday. Let me spend some time with Sepp Straka. Sepp! Chad Ramey, and rumor has it, Corey Connors and others. So there's going to be some really cool shows coming up on Tuesday. It's called The Cut on Golf Channel. Check it out as I spend some time on the range. And on the golf course with many of the top players in today's game. What a field uh, for the RBC. We'll be breaking that down uh, tomorrow. So look forward to that. And then on Thursday, I am stoked, folks, for this one. Smiley Kaufman joins me on Thursday for a very special in-depth interview. Smiley Kaufman, of course, played in the final round of the Masters back in 2015, I believe, when Jordan won. And then completely lost his game. He has been working so hard. He hasn't done a media interview in over three years. He's agreed to sit down with me. That will be coming on Thursday as he puts the pieces back together to get back to playing professional golf. So, so much stuff coming up here on the Stripe Show podcast. We thank you for being here. Hit that subscribe button, smash the like button, and leave us a comment. As we transition now to the Masters, I'll bring in Justin Leonard here momentarily. But as I walk away from the Masters, of course, Tiger, you know, Tiger is the greatest player, at least in my time. He's the greatest player, I think, of all time. I didn't get to see Jack play in his day. But to me, Tiger Woods is the greatest player of all time. Tiger is also the greatest fighter of all time. To listen to those interviews... He's letting you in on just how hard it has been on him to get back to this point, to be able to show up to Augusta and play competitive golf. What a effort to get back there. And then what an effort to make the cut. Now I know he kind of probably, he was a little worn out. I would imagine on the weekend, those cold weathers on Saturday didn't help him. Um, as you could see him fatigue, right? You could see the limp starting to take place. But I think what's 
really fascinating is that yes, the body was breaking down, but it was really the touch with the putter and in the short game that was probably his biggest derailment. Now, physically, perhaps that had something to do with it as well, but you could see the touch with the putter was off. There were a lot of three putts. There was the silly four putt. You could see the touch around the greens, the finesse shots wasn't tiger ass. And those types of things come from reps. That's the rust that we talk about that you see with players when they come back and they haven't been playing professional golf, but tiger woods makes it back. He makes the cut. It is so cool to see people standing, appreciate him. And it's even better yet to see him acknowledging that smiling this is cool stuff, folks. And Tiger deserves it. He gets back into the uh, competitive world. And uh, we certainly all appreciate it and can't wait to see him again. Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Smith in the final group. No one should be surprised. It's funny. We do these shows on Tuesday where we look ahead and we're trying to find angles, who we like, who we don't like. But the two best players coming in were Scheffler and Smith. Smith won the Players' Championship, hadn't played since. Scheffler's won three of his last, what, five events coming in. Those were the two guys. They're in the final group, and Scheffler prevails. No one should be surprised. I don't think it matters what course you play right now. They are the two best players. There's a lot of question marks with some players up top. John Rahm continues to struggle, and now to see him in the media room, and I think that attitude kind of slipping again a little bit, too emotional. Um, you know, you got to have some concern there uh, for the former number one player. It was great to see Rory McIlroy shoot 64 on Sunday. As I've said many times, peak Rory, when he is focused and he is engaged, he's must-watch TV. That's how I feel about Dustin Johnson, and that's how I feel about Rory McIlroy. And for the first time in a long time, folks, that was engaged Rory. He was into it. He was grinding. That's what we need to see from Rory McIlroy moving forward. What a round of golf. I mean, my goodness. He shot 64 on Sunday, and it felt like, honestly, it felt like he left three more out there. <laughs> I mean, he didn't birdie two or 15. He left three or four easily out there. What a talent. I mean, when he is engaged, it is incredible to watch. It really is. Thank you for that show, Rory on Sunday. But the story here is Scotty Scheffler. And, you know, it's just, it's funny when you watch Scotty and you look at him statistically, nothing really jumps out at you. You know, he's a good driver of the ball. He's longer than average. He's accurate. He can beat you with his driver. You know, he's a, he's a good putter. You know, he's going to have his runs, his moments with the putter. And we saw that at Phoenix. He won Phoenix with his driver and his putter. Then he comes over here to Florida, Bay Hill, completely different test, a grind. The wind's howling. It's going to beat you up, right? D deeper, rough. And he wins that tournament with his irons and a short game. His irons were elite. That was my question with Scotty is how good are his irons? Are they elite? Are they like Colin and JT? Well, yeah. They, they're proven out to be. His irons can be elite, and they were at Bay Hill. And his short game, as I've said many times here in the podcast, is completely overrated. To me, that is his strength. He is so good around the greens. 
I'm going to go ahead and say perhaps the best set of hands in the game right now. His golf swing speaks to it, and I think his short game speaks to it as well. Best set of hands in the game. So it's his irons in a short game that he wins there. Then he goes to match play, which is a completely different animal in itself. He's on the ropes with Matthew Fitzpatrick in the round robin, and he's got to play situational golf, right, which is a huge part of this game. Can you put it together situationally? And he did. He fought back, beat Matthew Fitzpatrick, and survived in advance and wins the match play. And then he comes to Augusta, which is just the best golf course in the world. It's going to challenge it all. And he dominates. And he dominates. And for shits and giggles, he just four putts the last hole and says, hey, guys, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go ahead and bring it back and only win by three. Incredible. What are we watching here? Is this a... Is just this an all-time heater, or is this a Hall of Fame career that is just getting started? Can't wait to ask Justin Leonard about that. The other thing I thought about before I bring Justin in is I found myself thinking a lot about Terrell Hatton and the comparison of Terrell Hatton to Scotty Scheffler and some comps for those two. To me, Scotty Scheffler, on one hand, is is like Mac Jones. Mac Jones, the quarterback for New England, was a rookie last year, a Jacksonville kid, quiet, unassuming, this internal confidence like Scotty. Both of them strike me as someone that's going to go into an environment and kind of figure out what's happening around them and then what do they have to do to be successful. They have leadership qualities in their own way. They're coachable. They're likable. You want to be around them. I think that's a fair comp. Now, Scotty's been a professional longer than Mac, but Scotty's went in and he's figured it out. His coach, Randy Smith, said one time, and he's been on the podcast here, he said, you know, Scotty is a player that you could probably just give him a set of left-handed clubs, and if you give him enough time, he'll figure it out to be competitive, and then he will figure it out, and he will beat you. And that's what Scotty's doing. Head down, great attitude, and he's figured it out. First 70 events, he didn't win. The last six events, he's won four times. (laughs) And then you have Terrell Hatton on the other side. And let me just say this as a starting point. I like Terrell Hatton. I think he's good for the game. I find myself laughing at some of the things that he does, his reactions. I know he wears his emotions on his sleeve. I get that. Everybody's different. But if you haven't read Terrell Hatton's post-game comments about Augusta National, you need to go read those. He's not a fan. He thinks it's unfair at times. It doesn't reward good shots. And it was over the top on the golf course. He didn't play well. He's throwing clubs. He's slamming clubs down. He's got his club after missing a putt, acting like he's shooting something across towards the patrons. I mean, it's just really childish behavior. And again, like I like personalities. I find myself laughing at times, but this on Sunday, it's overdone. And I'm sure people in this camp, I hope, are saying, Terrell, look, you are a wonderful player. And you want to win more on tour. And you want to win a major championship one day. And this isn't it, Terrell. This attitude right now, what you're, what you're doing, it may be funny to some, but this isn't it. You're going to wear everybody out around you. Imagine Coach and Terrell Hatton, your head would explode. His caddy has to be completely exhausted. And I look at Terrell Hatton, and he reminds me of like a Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield, a lot of talent, a lot of skill, highly competitive. There's things you can wrap your arms around, super accurate. Same with Terrell Hatton. 
nice player, ton of skill, world-class player. One of the best putters in the world. Gets it done in his iron game, his short game. Can get a little erratic with his driver, but so be it. But highly emotional, gets in his own way. Probably wears people out around him. Yes, funny at times. People like it. They gravitate to it. You're Twitter warriors. But at the end of the day, there's no longevity to that. They can't get Baker, Fick, Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland fast enough. And Terrell Hatton's not going to win a major championship in, in a lot of tournaments with that kind of attitude. He's going to wear himself out. So I just hope that I like Terrell. I hope that he takes a step back and really starts to address this and put some change to this. Because when you look at him statistically, and I'll finish with this before we bring in Justin Leonard, listen to these stats right now. Strokes gain off the tee, Scotty Scheffler. Okay, this is a guy that's dominating the sport right now, is 75th. Approach 29th, around the green 33rd, putting 15th, strokes gain total 9th. Terrell Hatton. Strokes gain off the tee 112. All right, we know Scotty's the better driver of the ball. Longer, accurate. Strokes gain approach, 60th. Pretty much a push. Strokes gain around the green, 77th. I'll give Scheffler the slight edge there. Strokes game putting, he's first. He's the best putter on the PGA Tour, Terrell Hatton. Better than Scotty Scheffler. Strokes game total, he's eighth. Terrell Hatton, strokes game total, eighth. Scotty Scheffler, strokes game total, ninth. That's the skill that you're watching there. The difference is the attitude. The difference is the attitude, the perspective, the approach. And Scotty Scheffler has that in spades and on that note we bring in someone who knows him exceptionally well former texas longhorn justin leonard joins us on the stripe show podcast and joining me now from colorado as he was just telling me a little snow on the ground still up there as he gets ready well maybe he's gonna play a little bit on pga tour champions but he's a 12-time winner on the pga tour justin leonard thanks for uh joining me of course. Thanks for having me on, Travis. So let me ask, are 50s near in June, PGA Tour champions in the future? Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit, um, see how it goes, see if I can get my game ready to go back out there uh, between now and then. And and I'm going to kind of ease my way into it. Uh, I think I'm, my first event probably will be the uh, senior players, um, which is like the second weekend of July. Uh, at Firestone, so it's a course that I know and have played quite a mm-hmm. bit on. Uh, hopefully, we won't be, you know, won't have one foot off the back tee box uh, playing on the PG Tour Champions. So I look forward to that, and then um, probably won't play again until September because I've got some some work through the through the uh, PGA Tour playoffs with NBC. And then um, October is kind of I'm I'm going to play probably two or three times in October. Um, you know, see how it goes, see where mm-hmm. my game is. So it'll be fun this to is, figure that out. This is probably really blowing my audience's mind right now because I can't tell you how many times, Justin, when they hear you talking on TV, I get DMs and they're saying, I thought I heard you on TV again. They think we sound alike <laughs> on I TV. Can't. It happens every, I mean, I'm not kidding you, Justin. It happens every single time you were in the chair in the booth. I get a text or a DM and saying, I thought you were doing golf channel this week. Right. Well, now that I can, you know, really talk to you and stuff, I can hear the similarities for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I can too. 
Well, you've got to be, um, you've got to be proud of your, your fellow Texas Longhorn here, you know, Scotty Scheffler. There's a, there's a lot of ties here. And, and I've said many times, um, on the podcast, I'm a huge fan of Randy Smith, who was, and it was your longtime coach when you were having so much success on the PGA tour, um, you know, 12 times a winner, you won the open championship, you won the players championship and Randy's still at it now, a generation later, here he is. And now here's Scotty Scheffler coming out, winning four times in six events and the new number one player in the world. You've got to be, um, you'll be pretty proud of Scotty. And I know it's been a, it's a generation. You were there at different times in Texas, but is there a little, little inspiration in that when you, when you see someone like a Scotty Scheffler from the university of Texas having so much success? Sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, so, you know, he's 25 years younger than I am. And so, you know, when he was a junior golfer, 12, 13, I was in the middle of my playing career, um, at, at Royal Oaks, uh, you know, his, his parents moved down from New Jersey. Um, they wanted the kids to have, you know, a few more opportunities, certainly to play, you know, the game of golf. Uh, they actually joined Royal Oaks because of Randy Smith. And um, so Scotty was out there a lot. I mean, he was, he played other sports. He was a good athlete, uh, but he always seemed to kind of gravitate back towards golf. And it wasn't, you know, he would, he'd be over there chipping or something and I'd show up and Randy and I'd start hitting balls and Scotty come over to the range and he'd, you know, sit on a bucket of balls or something behind us and just kind of hang out and, 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 and listen for a little while. He didn't ask a lot of questions. He didn't talk much. You know, he's similar to how he is now. He doesn't, um, you know, he's never a, hey, look at me. He just kind of goes about his business. And, and um, but I, I got to watch him, you know, practice. I never, we didn't, I didn't play a lot uh, when I was on weeks off. I was more practicing. So I didn't play with Scotty, uh, but I certainly saw, saw his work ethic and, and the way he, um, you know, his, his fun friendship and relationship with Randy. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I was, I was with Nike for a while and, you know, professionals, like we go through wedges, even when we don't need to, it's just to fresh grooves and all those things. And so one day I was, I, I brought some new wedges out just to make sure all was good and everything was good. And Randy said, well, what are you going to do with the old ones? I said, I don't know. They'll go in a bag. And at, at some point I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give them away, I guess. He said, well, can I have them? I said, well, sure. And uh, sure enough, he gave them to Scotty. Um, you know, because, you know, wedges are 150 bucks, 200 bucks a piece, brand new. And these were, you know, they've been, I'd used them for three or four months maybe. And so, um, you know, we go a long ways back and just, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his wife, Meredith, um, his parents who I saw a lot at Royal Oaks. It was never all about Scotty. It was a family Mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, Callie played at Texas A&M. She caddied for Scotty and in, in some junior and amateur events and even a couple, you know, when he first turned pro. So it's always been a, a very tight knit family. And um, it's just fun to see them, you know, enjoying uh, what Scotty's been able to do. And, and I hope they all take a lot of satisfaction in it. You know, Randy Smith was on the podcast. He, he came on at the end of last year, right before the Ryder Cup. Of course, Scotty plays the Ryder Cup. And he beats John Rahm handily in the singles and off he goes. And you kind of got the sense when I, I went back and listened to it and Randy talking about, yeah, you know, he was just here and we were just kind of working on the same things. And 
yeah, he looks really good. And, you know, you could just kind of sense like it was, it's coming, you know, like it just, just be patient. It's, you know, everything's fine. Right. And sometimes you got to maybe talk to the player who wants it now. And, and it's like, it's, it, it's coming. And, and sure enough, here it is. <laughs> I mean, my right. goodness, I, I didn't, I don't know how you could say you would, you could see this coming four wins and six events. This is Tiger S material. Now he puts the green jacket on. Um, there's just like a, a real sense of freedom to Scotty in the way that he plays the game. It's effortless. And I want to ask you this, like I look at his swing, it's upright, you know, he kind of rotates the face a little bit open. He can hit these high towering shots. And then Justin, like your swing, it was a little bit more around you, right? The lead arm went more around you. And when I see two players like that, that's what I love the most about a coach because it's not a method. Give us some insight just as a student, the kind of coach Randy Smith is and how he's gotten the most out of you and now clearly doing such a good job with Scheffler. Yeah, if you look at just the, the professional golfers that, that Randy worked with, um, you know, start at D.A. Wybring. Um, mm-hmm. When I was, you know, to skip back, like when I was 12 or 13 years old, I used to go watch Randy work with D.A., at Royal Oaks. And so it's funny that all of a sudden then, you know, Scotty's kind of doing the same with me. Um, you know, Harrison Frazier, Ryan Palmer, Colt Nost, Scotty Scheffler, myself. You wouldn't sit there and, and watch all of us hit balls and go, oh, okay. You know, now I see the similarities. We're all very, have very, mm-hmm. very different swings. And, and I agree with you. I think that's um, – from a student standpoint, that's what you want. From an instructor standpoint, um, that's the goal. That's who you should be. Um, is somebody who just takes players' natural talent, um, try to, to fine-tune a little bit, but not take them away from who they are. I mean, look, Scotty's footwork, it drives me nuts, mm. you know, because that's not the generation that I was in. That's not what I was how I wanted to swing it, nor, you know, Randy, Randy and I talked a lot about footwork. Mm. And when I talked to Randy about it, he's like, but it's just, that's, that's who he is. And I, I can't, you know, if all of a sudden he's hitting into a stable base on his left foot and his right foot just, you know, comes up naturally, like it just wouldn't work for Scotty. And, mm. you know, and so it's, it's just interesting how, you know, Randy's able to take the experiences he's had with D.A. Wybring. He spent some time around Lee Trevino in Dallas, you know, years ago. Transfer that on into me, Harrison, Ryan Palmer, and those guys. And then, you know, now guys like Scotty are getting it. Um, helping guys understand not just, you know, it's not golf swing. It's not technical. It's about let's look, A, let's look at the ground. How's the club interacting with the turf? And then B, you're looking at the ball flight. And is it producing the things that we want We want it to produce? Are there things that, you know, certainly there's, you know, I would say Scotty is, is especially with the driver, um, more apt to move it left to right. But he can, he can move it both directions. And it's certainly easier, I think, with his irons to move the ball right to left. You know, he has the ability to hit the ball extremely high. Mm-hmm. But he also, as we saw in Austin, we saw him flight a number of shots down low. And so... Um, I'm not surprised because I don't think Randy's going to let a player get away with, with just being, you know, one or even two dimensional. He wants you to have a full, you know, a full set of tools to, to go out and play the golf course. And I think you certainly have to have a full set in order to go out and become the best player in the world. 
Yeah, it's almost like he just eliminates obstacles. You know, he just, he, you know, he's going to tell you what you need to know, and he's not going to clutter you with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, you know, all this stuff to make the ball do what it does. And there's just, like, real clarity with Scotty when he plays. It's almost, he almost, it almost appears like he's looking at everybody else like, well, why aren't you all just doing this too? Like, it's, you all just could just play with clarity. And, you know, like right. it's not, he's making it look a little too easy. And then his demeanor on top of it is it's, it's kind of, it's hard to wrap your arms around right now. And let me ask you this now, put your analyst hat on here. Um, because, you know, I know you're in the seat there at NBC and golf channel. I mean, what are we watching here? Four wins and six tournaments. Is this, I mean, I think you would have to think, obviously it's going to come back to the norm a little bit and guys are going to catch up and you know, things like, you know, how golf is, right. It's going to humble you at some point. But it, like, I find myself thinking, are we watching kind of the beginning of this Hall of Fame career? Because to your point, he can hit all the shots. I've always said with Scotty, there was, there was two things with Scotty as I followed him in the first part. One was, my first question was, is, is he an elite iron player? I know he's going to beat you with his driver. I've always thought he's probably the most underrated short game player in, in, on tour. I think he's got one of the best sets of hands in the game. But is he an elite iron player? Like, you know, that you need that he's going to do it situationally putting and, and it's proven out. He is. I mean, he's wonderful. He's incredible iron player. Um, and then secondly, his attitude is so good that if, if there's a poster child for get out of your own way and just, it is what it is, just hit it and we'll go find it. You know, it's almost like watching a younger DJ loping around out there. Right. What are we watching here with, with Shuffler? You know, what's, what's ahead for him. you think, well, I, I wouldn't say that he's an elite iron player. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that he's an elite driver. Um, he drives it plenty far. He's in the top, I think, 15 and, and um, you know, in driving distance. He doesn't hit a ton of fairways, but he doesn't have a really wild miss. Um, like you see players that carry a lot of speed. Um, he's a very good iron player. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't put him in the category of, you know, John Rahm or, um, you know, Colin Morikawa, um, but you combine, you take all the parts and you start adding them up, you know, to where like he's in the top 30 of basically every strokes gain category. The thing that the strokes gain can't measure though, is what you were hinting on. And it's, it's his like mental composure. You know, none of this, the, the win in Phoenix, like it was, yeah, I'm sure it was a little bit of weight off his back, but yeah, he didn't, you know, he's just like, yeah, this is just kind of what I was, you know, thought I was going to do at some point. <laughs> then he goes to Bay Hill, completely different conditions. Um, and look, it was really scratchy the last few holes. I was in the tower on 16 mm. and, you know, I watched him try and hit that, you know, big hook out of the rough at 15, didn't come out. And then he gets it up and down uh, with a great bounce. And then you know, how many times do you see a guy lay up twice on a par five and still win the golf tournament? Well, that's what he did at 16 after driving it to the right. Yeah, good point. Um, he just, he doesn't get like flustered. I mean, you go back to Saturday when he's on 18 and he's hit it left off the tee. It's like he slowed everything down and, and just, okay, what's my best shot here? Where am I going to go? And, and took his time, which he had time to work with there. Uh, figured it out, hit it over the green and made a five. Um <laughs> with a great up and down what 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 astonishes me is that he's not 
he doesn't play for results. He never talks about, yes, I've always wanted to be number one in the world or, you know, winning this or winning that. For him, it was just kind of always about trying to find ways to get better, um, continue to put the work in, understand himself and his game and what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't, I mean, I'm sure, look, he's got to be completely exhausted. You know, the amount of time that he's put in under the gun and under pressure, these last, you know, six events, winning four of them, especially at the Masters. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised to see him take two or three weeks off. Yeah. Come back out and get right back into it. Um, Because he's not wrapped up. He's not concerned about what kind of lead he's got in the official world golf rankings or where he is or who's coming up behind him. I think all that's irrelevant to him. Yeah. Um, I I think it's just, I think he loves playing the game. He loves trying to get better. Um, and that's what drives him, not, you know, winning tournaments or being number one in the world. That's just all, um, you know, a reward for the work and the process that he's, that he's putting in right now. Yeah. I think what's impressive is when I watch Scotty, he, he can kind of do it both ways here. He's proven, you know, at Phoenix, you know, he's a ways back and he can go low. He can take the governor off, shoot 62 on Saturday, get back in it. You know, so he's a good chaser as he has been. And then, you know, he gets out in the lead and he's got that demeanor where I think a very few guys, Justin, can actually extend a lead like we saw him do um, and be comfortable with that. So from that standpoint, I think that's the most impressive thing to me is the balance throughout. Situationally, I think he's great. He's going to come get you. He'll go low, 62, 63. But then when he grabs a lead, Okay, you better come get me because I'm, you know, like he's just not, he doesn't seem like he's putting that kind of added stress. Although afterwards, I was surprised to hear him say that he started crying on Sunday because he had so much stress and his wife really helped him get back to that state of mind of, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens today, everything's going to be fine. And he went out and he just off he went and extended it and, you know, almost kind of threw a bone back to the field and, you know, four putt at the last hole to only win by three. <laughs> right. But it was dominant. I mean, he was dominant with with the lead at a master. So it's it's just it's really cool stuff. We could we could talk about this. Let me ask you this final question um about Scotty because I'll take you back to um 96 to 98. You ready for this? 96, let's see, I was a freshman in college, Justin. So you're a little bit older yep. than me. But I remember I'm a golf nut, so I've watched every one of your wins and all that. So um so 96 to 98, Justin, you won four times in just under 18 months. You won the Open. You won the Players. You finished seventh at the Masters that year. Um, Scotty's won four now. What's the biggest obstacle you think he faces now moving forward? Like, you, you know, that time for you, you, you had to be feeling terrific. I mean, you win the Open. You win the Players. And here's Scotty. He's won four times. He's won the Masters. He's on top of the world. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest obstacle do you think he faces now just to kind of remain Scotty and play good golf? Uh, time. Time, meaning the, the time that uh, it's going to take at tournaments to go through and do mm. press and media obligations. Time, people are going to be asking him and pulling at him to, to do different things. And, and uh, I think the biggest task for him is, is just to be selective and understand it's okay to say no um because if you say yes to everything it it wears it wears a player out and um you know there's gonna be a lot of demands on you know he's gonna show up to a golf course on tuesday 
and people are going to be clamoring to to speak with him, to talk to him, to do all those things, to do interviews. Um, so th that's going to be the biggest hurdle is understanding, like, A, giving himself a little more time in the day because of that. So maybe you haven't adjust his his own kind of preparation schedule a bit. Um, and then, um, you know, to to then understand that there are times when you just have to say no and get a little bit selfish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being selfish uh, in this game, it, it's necessary at times. And um, Scotty, he's such a nice guy. He's yeah. not going to want to do that. He's going to say yes to everything. Um, but uh, I think that's that's really the biggest hurdle. I don't think it's to continue this play. And look, like you said earlier, the, the game, it ebbs and flows. I mean, he, yeah. he's not – nobody goes on, you know, a hyper-extended run outside of a Tiger Woods where, you know, you basically win everything for a year or two. Um, you know, but you have to enjoy it while it's there and, like, take some notes on certain things that you felt, your attitude going into the day. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that, like, he was struggling Sunday morning and he and his wife, Meredith, sat down and, you know, they talked about their faith and – and just had a you know prayed for peace and and you know with that kind of um you know foundation and and that kind of support from his wife i was very lucky and still am very lucky to have that kind of support from my wife and um it's that's trust me that's that's a huge thing for oh, yeah. a golfer playing at the highest level in a very competitive and obviously can be a very stressful sport um so but, you know, it's things are going to come and go. But, I mean, this run that he's on, it's incredible. Um, I think because he's not attached to the results and all those things, I think he can sustain it for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Hall of Fame, all that, I, I no idea. And I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't put that pressure on him. But certainly, you know, he's, uh, he's off to an amazing start. And if this run is indicative, um, I think it, he may not sustain this for – you know, a, a very long period of time, but he's been here before. And I have no doubt that between he and his team and Randy Smith, that they can get back in this. And, and um, so we're, we're looking at something pretty special for sure. All right. You mentioned tiger. So he makes a return, which was just amazing to, to watch. And, and some of my audience um, may have not seen and truly appreciate tiger back in your era, in your day. And of course you played in, that era you saw it up close front and center um many many times give us give us the comparison here tiger today not not game wise tiger what you're seeing these smiles engaging sharon with justin thomas giggling versus tiger back in your day when it was a whole different story tell us about that tiger now versus then well i i think Tiger now is probably different from what you saw a little bit from what you saw like this last week. I think mm -hmm. uh, he understood like once he got there physically, he probably wasn't going to be able to win the golf tournament, uh, but he, he put so much work in, he wanted to play anyways. And it meant a lot to the game. It meant a lot to the masters. And I would imagine it meant a lot to himself and his family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I played, I played a decent bit with Tiger, not really practice rounds of things, but got paired with him every now and then. I played one Ryder Cup match with him over in Valderrama. Um, I always enjoy playing with Tiger, but it's, you know, there was a level of, and I was never, I never played with him like on a Saturday or Sunday in contention. Um, so I didn't really get to see that, but I can tell you on Thursday, Friday, or even during our Ryder Cup match, we always had a good time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, the difference between now and back then was, and you're right, he's a little, he was not forthcoming. He didn't give out information. Mm-hmm. You know, he soaked it in from Mark Amira and John Cook and some of those guys. Um, but he didn't share a lot. And I see him now at a stage in his life and his career where he's a little more, um, a little more willing to kind of give back and to kind of help some of the younger players. I mean, I know, you know, he spent some time with Ricky, certainly JT. Um, and so it's cool. The relationship that he has with Justin Thomas. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, he, he wasn't really willing to do, do much, you know, he might've told Noda Begay a few things back in the day since they played at Stanford, but Noda never told me about it. So, um, you know, it is interesting though, to see him, um, a little more willing to talk with guys and, and, and offer some insight and advice. Um, and it's great to see it because people, yeah. guys were able to do it with him. Not that he needed a lot of help, yeah. uh, but certainly a little help along the way. And, uh, and now he's certainly giving it back. Can, can you confirm that Stuart Sink's nickname is The Kitchen? I, I've never called him The Kitchen, but I've heard it before. So, yes, I'll <laughs> confirm it. I'll confirm it. <laughs> Tiger dropped that in the press room. And yeah. I was like, wait, what did you just say? Right. <laughs> Stuart The Kitchen. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, let me ask you about another Texas Longhorn, Jordan Spieth. What do you, what do you, what do you see right now with Spieth? He makes, he misses the cut first time at the masters at Valero. He hit the ball pretty good. Didn't putt great. Um, this is clearly a different version of, of Spieth right now. You know, from an, from an analyst standpoint, looking at it, my background is coaching. I mean, he looks obviously very consumed with what he's doing in his swing. It's very, it's not instinctive. Let's put it that way. It almost looks right. a bit opposite of what Scheffler's doing. Scheffler right. is just seeing and hitting and these gyrations of hitting a draw. And he's just wheeling the ball out there and, and feeling it with his hands. And Spieth looks more A, B is equaling C. And if I do that, then the ball should do this. So it's, yeah. he looks like he's working really hard. And I have so much respect because he, he makes it work. To me, G, uh, Spieth is, in my generation, he's a genius. You know, he's what he accomplished and watching him play the game and now we're seeing a very different version of Jordan and he's so talented. He can still compete and make it work. Um, what do you see? What, what, what would you tell Jordan? Is it, is he doing the right thing? Do you think, or is it time to take a step away and kind of, I don't know, re rethink some things to get back to the best version he can be. He may not ever get back to where he was when he was winning three major championships, or maybe he does, who knows? But it just feels, I don't know, it feels a little like it's going the wrong way to me. I see um, my, my insight or my thoughts on him are similar to yours. I think it looks way too mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's too much thought going in on positions. And I, I kind of like what he's, what he's doing with the swing. You know, the rehearsal where he's, he's trying to kind of get the club you know, going more outside the path and then really rotate um, and create more of a left to right ball flight. I, I actually like that. Yeah. Um, but it's like you said, it doesn't look instinctual. It looks like he's, it'd be like me trying to figure out how to play left-handed. Yeah. Um, it just looks a little like, like, and you see him over the ball when he's like warming up or practicing on a Tuesday or Wednesday. 
uh, he stands over it for so long and you can just tell, you know, he's going through his little checklist and, and I think the game's very, the swing is very complicated for Jordan right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that complicates the game. You know, Scotty's the other end. Everything's very simple. If he has to hook it, his hands are going to finish low. Who knows where his feet are going to be. At some point he's going to end up with grass stains on his chin. Uh, But, but he has a sense of how to hook it. And, um, and so I, I think for Jordan, it just, it seems like it's, it's, the game's really hard right now. Um, you know, if there's a way to simplify it, um, I, I think that's the process. That's the way to go because it's, it's, it's very technical. Um, and I think all of that time working on the technique has probably taken away from some of his creativity around the greens and certainly the putting and all that, you know, it's, Look, golf is hard. There's so many parts of the game that have to be right in order to be playing really well. And when you've got to work on one part, a lot of times another part of the game suffers. And um, for Jordan, I, I would just love to see him simplify it. And, and however he feels like that's the best way to, to, to go about it, um, I think he's on the right path with his swing um, to be more consistent. But um, it's man, it just it looks like it looks like the hamster wheel in his brain is going a thousand miles an hour and it never slows down. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how I feel. And, and you know, how do you change that? Is it, it just doesn't feel like we're, we're talking three and a half years mm. and he's still, you know, got this going on. And it's like, wow, I mean, when does when does it become more instinctive? It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think we all agree. Jordan Spieth in the hunt in golf, the sport is better, you know, cause sure. yeah. And he, he does move the needle a little. He's not, no one's tiger, but he is right. up there. And I would say that top three, four, five guys that you're tuning in to watch play because of the genius that he once was and, and still can be around the greens. His, his mm-hmm. ability certainly around the greens um, is very special. And I finished with this, you know, I walk away from the masters and I think about Scheffler. I listened to Rom, the former number one player in the press room, not his best moment on Saturday. I watched Terrell Hatton and it's like, and at the end of the day, attitude is everything, you know, like it's for you professional golfers. I would have to think attitude is everything. Cause like you said, the sport is so hard you know, and you guys are all so good and it's so deep and it's such a fine line. And, you know, if you have a bad attitude, it just feels like it could, you're just going to wear yourself out. Right. I mean, you're just going to wear yourself and everybody around you out. Right. To the point where it may not be a big deal one week, but it's going to catch up with you and it's going to hamper the longevity of things. And I think that's what I appreciate the most about Scheffler. It's, it's just, you know, he's just got this great attitude like DJ. You know, DJ, this incredible attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I, I want more of that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's really interesting to watch. Final question. I always ask this to players. And it, it takes me back to Spieth and some others. What, what, what happens there when a player who just gets to that peak, right? They're playing great golf. And then the need to change something. You know, like to me, the obstacle of that, it seems like it's understood. Don't change anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. But yet right. there's so many examples, Justin, of top players that all of a sudden feel the need. I'm going to go for more distance. You know, Martin Keimer, I'm going to start hitting it right to left. What? No, right. 
don't do it. What are you doing? You just won the, you just won a major and the players. Right. Like it just happens. What, what happens there, Justin, with these guys? I'm sure it's all different. Do you, they just get bored or they just, is it just the pursuit that I'm going to get better? Well, the, and that pursuit started when, you know, most players are five, six, 10 years old. Whenever they picked up the game, you're always trying to find ways to get better. Uh, when all of a sudden you get the pinnacle of your sport, it's hard to just, okay, I'm here. Now I'm just going to maintain. Like it's, it's just, it's kind of in DNA. And look, mm. this game will drive you absolutely nuts uh, from the best player in the world at times down to, you know, the, the guys who is a, 20 handicapper and can't understand why he can't break 90 consistently. Um, you know, it's, that's just kind of the nature of the game. Things are always changing and evolving. And, and a lot of times because it, it took that to kind of get to a point, you almost feel as well, I, I have to keep evolving and changing. Um, obviously you don't want to, you don't want to change up, you know, a, a big part of your game or try and go really far away. I know in Martin Keimer's case, it was because he wanted to play well at Augusta and he mm. wanted to contend and try and win the masters. Um, there's been guys that hit the ball left to right that win the masters, <laughs> right. you know, plenty, plenty of guys. Um, you know, Jack Nicholas, I think Jack Nicholas six times. Yeah. But I mean, it's look, we're, we're a little bit insane because we play this game for a living and we put so much into it. Um, you know, and look, I've had my own moments where I've been like, wow, why did I try and do this? Um, so, and then you, you know, you try and looking for the breadcrumbs so you can kind of go back a ways. Um, I don't see that happen with Scotty. I don't see it. I mean, I don't see it happening with a lot of players, but it does happen. And, um, you know, certainly it's like that constant, that pursuit of, you know, maybe I can make this game a little easier. Maybe I can win, you know, another time or two per year or, you know, just to try and, and be more well-rounded. Um, yeah. I think it's the nature, it's the pursuit of the game, continuing to strive to get better, but you got to have the people around you that will, that will help you kind of, Hey, let's not get too far. Of course, like yeah. we, we can pick things up on the sides without making a right or a left-hand turn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and get things back on track. Sometimes like in hindsight, it's, it's, it's hard to see that, but when it, you're typically in hindsight, you're like, wow, I really wasn't mm -hmm. too far away. And that's what I find. Most of the time, players aren't too far away from playing some very good golf. Sometimes it's just a little thing here or there. And I think that's something that, that Randy Smith really, yeah. you know, hammered home with me is like, look, we don't need to go retool things. You know, I, I am who I am as a player. Scotty is who he is. Um, but let's just find little things here and there. And if we can work on them, just slowly and progressively, the game will never get too far away from being pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. I think that's probably the most impressive thing. I mean, obviously the records with tiger and all that, but I mean, the guy rebuilt a swing four times and right. It's just mind boggling that he was right. able to do that and then go out and dominate and be the number one player in the world. And I oftentimes wonder if people, if t players look at that and say, well, tiger, well, you know, cause they're, they're following his lead in so many ways and he's the inspiration and they, well, I can do that too. And I can add 20 yards and no, not that no, you easy. can't, no, you no, can't, not that easy. <laughs> tiger made yeah. the game look too easy in so many different ways. And, and, and to me, the rebuilding of the swing, like he did, is just fascinating anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we could, we could talk about that forever. Justin, I know you're busy. Um, Hey, best of luck on PJ tour champions. We'll always be uh, watching you on NBC and I'll be, I'll continue to receive the DMS thinking that that's me. And I'm like, no, 
I am not going to be in the number two seat. I didn't play, but that's just a letter. Trust me. We sound alike. I know, but I can't wait till you're in there again. And they, they all think it's me again. Well, if I, if I ever make a mistake or say something that I really wasn't supposed to, I'll go. just say it wasn't me. It was Travis Fulton. So there you go. I love it. Dustin Leonard. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. I appreciate it.